last two or three years here at Tech Emergence, uh, looking at the thousands and thousands of companies that we look at in any given quarter, over let's say the last two years, we've seen a pretty significant uptick in the number of companies working on predictive maintenance kind of technologies. Technologies focused on businesses that have large physical assets that they need to maintain and how sensors around those assets might be able to better maintain them. Uh, maybe augmenting human repair people or better using human time by only calling upon them when it's absolutely required as opposed to in a regimen that's otherwise somewhat arbitrary. But it's actually been longer than two years since we've had the guests that we have this week on the AI and Industry Podcast on the show. Uh, four years ago or so, um, when we were still focused mostly on kind of the broader ethical concerns of AI, which many of you who have followed this show for a long time know that ultimately is still what I'm most interested in. We interviewed Massimiliano Versace, who is the CEO of uh, Neurala. Neurala is a sort of thinking for robotics firm in Boston. I'm not sure any better way to describe them. It's sort of been their value prop from the old days. And when I first interviewed Max, uh, people call him Max, who know him, I want to say, geez, I think he was still teaching at university and maybe had nine people on the team total. Uh, today, I think they're much closer to 50, and they, at the time of this recording, recently closed a pretty significant round of financing uh, and are continuing to grow. They're now focusing on taking machine vision smarts and using that for uh, predictive maintenance and for upkeep of infrastructure. So uh, Max goes into examples for, let's say, a telecom tower or a factory or a railroad and goes into sort of how machine vision can be used to potentially uh, help with the ongoing maintenance of those sort of larger assets without needing nearly as much human time. If you work for a business that has large physical assets, whether it's a, a boat, uh, trucks, you work on rails frequently or uh, are in the telecom space in any way, shape or form, I think this podcast should be relatively eye-opening. Uh, at the end of the episode, I ask Max a little bit about how these same ideas can be extrapolated into other industries, and he gives a couple interesting examples there as well about what this might look like in the future as machine vision gets better and better, um, and as uh, applications for sort of detecting anomalies in uh, vision data are able to sort of improve in the years ahead. So I found this interview to be uh, a lot of fun. It was great to actually be able to catch up with Max in a, a totally new space and see all the progress that they've made. Back then, I was still running my e-commerce business, and Tech Emergence was something on the side that was before I ever sold the e-commerce business. So big, big changes on both sides since our last conversation, and it was great to get a lot of meat out of this one. So without further ado, uh, I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and you're hearing from Max at Nerala. All right, Max. So um, uh, it's been a while since we last caught up. Fun to be able to kind of visit headquarters and record this live with you. Um, you guys, a lot of your focus currently is on machine vision and drones in sort of infrastructure, looking at maybe things that are broken down and being able to notify people of, you know, cracks, rust, etc. Talk a bit about what's possible there in the machine vision infrastructure space, just big picture, and then we'll kind of dive in. Yeah. So the, the industry has been really good in designing cameras and drones that are essentially flying cameras to collect a huge amount of very detailed uh, information and data. So what has been falling short is that many years ago in the DOD or the, the military side, 
you know, they design a ton of sensors and then they say, oh, what do I do with all of this? And they, you know, it was quick the realization that you need a lot of human capital to analyze this massive amount of data. And so for infrastructure is actually a very good business uh, segment uh, and not all the AI uh, pertinent segments are the same, right? There is both very strong uh, business case, uh, quantifiable savings to, in- to inject AI, yeah. and there is also the money to do so. Right, so we know that an inspector takes uh, a, a number of hours, um, yeah. n number of dollars per hour. There is a danger of a certain probability associated with the inspector falling, and so we can quantify X uh, is the cost of inspecting, and we can also quantify X in terms of looking at the footage from the drone. And so now we can quantify what does the AI brings to the table. If I can be 95, 97% as accurate as the human, and sift through all the data and find the pertinent information, I have clear savings for the customer. And that's what we are engaged in doing. And I know that you know large corporations are also looking into doing this. Got it. Just to put a cap on it, I think this is actually important. There is a segment of our listeners that are running AI companies as well. And you're bringing up an interesting business point in terms of finding where to make a difference. You know, addressable, identifiable business case with, you know, the dollars to be able to solve the problem. That's helped you guys whittle down kind of this particular use case here. My guess is you guys are partnering with whoever's doing the drone hardware and you guys are more the smarts inside and behind the cameras. Um, Is there another company also that's working on automating the drone's movement around the various devices or is much of that still human controlled for the time being in terms of inspecting, let's imagine, a cell phone tower going up and going down? So I, we believe that the adoption will come in stages. The first stage would be automating or taking away the human from the heavy lifting of looking at the footage. Many, many hours of footage per day. I have to look at each single frame. That's the first, uh, the, the lowest hanging fruit. And the second one would be to automate the flow, you know, from the drone operation to, to the analysis of the data, right? And so the, that will require intelligence to run at the edge. The third part would be predictive maintenance, and that's even further down. Yeah, the road. we've talked to a bunch of folks in that space who are doing other kinds of sensors, not necessarily just cameras, but right. looking at heat and vibration inside of trains and boats and other exactly. very expensive pieces. You're saying that predictive maintenance may be possible on other kinds of equipment with camera sensor data, where we may be able to say, well, things are looking good, but we're looking at a little bit of an off angle here. We're looking at some wear and tear on these nuts and bolts, and this is going to imply that within the next six months, there's an 80% likelihood something's going to happen here. Precisely. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, but we need, to, we need to learn how to walk before we run. And for that, sure. And that's, for uh, sure. that's essential for AI company, you know, to, not to dive into something unfeasible, to, to take the first step and do it right. Yep. And first step here, business-wise, is going to be, you know, what do we have to fix now? So in terms of flight of the drone, today, this is a person? Yes. Okay, to, person. Mo- most of the time is a drone and the... Many companies are drone agnostic. You know, they, yeah, who they, cares, right? Who I mean, cares? It's, yeah, it's, it's just a matter. I need the job done. Right. So that's the hardware. So right. somebody's zipping the drone up and down, and then someone is also looking at the actual footage. And I take it, obviously, where you guys are trying to knuckle down business-wise is whittling down to the parts of the, the footage that'll say, this area is, you know, maybe let's, I don't think you guys do it this way, but, you know, green, yellow, red, you know, well, here's the red areas that you might want to look at. I mean, I, I imagine a technology focus on, you know, machine vision is going to sort of identify in this hour-long video of this particular telecom piece of equipment, you know, here's maybe some highlighted parts. Or where is the current role of AI, I suppose, yeah. in that? Yeah, so uh, it's basically uh, doing inventory, right? So they, they want to know how many and uh, what 
are the things that are in that structure? Are there anomalies? Is the rust parts do I have? Right. So that's the essential, the, the step one capability that these people want to want to do. Yep. And, uh, you know, they don't want to spend thousands of dollars of the person doing that. They want climbing the a ladder answer. and doing all this crazy stuff. That's correct. So my guess is then you'd have to train a drone on give an example X of this kind of tower, learn all the parts, learn how to identify rust, learn, you know, what good and bad looks like for all the different pieces. Yep. And then when you run the drone, you can see, okay, we're missing two of these and we have a lot of rust in this area and boom. And that the system is trained to you know, via machine vision, pick up those anomalies and bring those to the attention of the person yeah. who I imagine it might be piping it somewhere else, or, or is the drone coming down and there's someone right there handling it, or is it going back to an office? The particular the mechanics are, they vary and they're yeah. probably going to change. In the simplest case, uh, it's uh, the drone has a, a memory device on board and then it yeah. has to be dumped in a central server, right? But the essential part that you mentioned is really the important one, which is the fantasy of artificial intelligence being trained on a data set a priori and then being deployed and knowing all the items yeah. that it's supposed to, it's just, um, it's just not going to happen. So we and many of the other companies should face the future, and we are gearing up with our tech to do so, of continuous learning. Right. So the, the customer must be able to update and to say, no, the AI is wrong and right, and over time, make it better. And I had used this example with you off microphone of kind of the data security space where, you know, we talk to a good deal of companies in this world where, you know, they're looking to detect anomalies. And every now and again, it'll either throw up a bunch of red flags for something that's totally not a risk, or it'll miss maybe one or two things that really were, you know, a serious data threat that somebody should be notified of. And humans would go in and say, okay, well, for this kind of pattern, we really need to call this this. And for this kind of pattern, we need to call it that. So kind of tweaking as we go. And then hopefully as the system moves, more of those tweaks, system moves, more of those tweaks. Same thing in you know customer service chatbots. All right, well, you gave the refund script to this person yep. because you read these things. That's not what you got to do when you read these things. This sort of live human attention, human context, updating, updating, updating is a reality in these systems. And it seems like machine vision is no exception, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, much of this machine vision is still designed with an old idea, which is train in factory and then deploy, right? But yeah. in reality, you need a plastic system that is able to understand and learn continuously, right? So the example of security is, is very fitting, right? There are threads that come every day and you be able to learn them uh, immediately. And so Technology that is able to learn instantaneously, instantaneously needs to be deployed in these use cases. Yep. It's like autonomous vehicles, right? If, if all the autonomous vehicles, this is not the case, but if they were all being trained in Mountain View, you know, and one of them learned to deal with the snow in some, some way, whether it's seeing something or how to drive or how to turn on ice or whatever, we would want the other cars to know that, yep. right? We, we, we need this to be transferred and we need this yep. to be bled in. And of course, in sort of infrastructure updating systems, if, if we have a new part and piece on our telecom towers, or if we detect a new way that things can rust or crack in ways that we weren't detecting, we need to hone in on that, train that, make sure the rest of the systems can do them. And, and I guess plan on that being kind of an ever-present process. I yes. Mean, it, yes. And the, the, the metaphor I like to give is learning humans, right? So the, uh, each, each one of the listener might have gone to a, a college and you know, got out of a school and went to a job. And the current AI is the paradigm is that you, you only learn what you learn in the last day of school. In reality, you learn every day in your workplace, right? And so the same should happen to your AI. You should get better on the job. Got and it. that's, you know, when that happens, it will unlock capabilities. A compelling case. And I mean, again, I, I think that really, really big boys in AI, you know, this, is, you, this point is not lost on Tesla. This point is not lost on Google, right? But there's certainly some AI applications that are kind of out of the box, 
And of course, there are that people should understand there's serious limitations there. Mm -hmm. There's no know-it-all system in the cloud or in the world. There's constant updating, there's human attention and machine attention, and there has to be continuous learning here. Looking ahead to the future, I mean, you guys are building a company around this, and so you've got to be thinking about the future. And we talk to people with a robust academic background like yourself, sort of in order to feel confident building a company, have to know sort of the paradigms that you're chasing and what the changes are ahead. When you think about machine vision and continuous learning today, and then you think about where you want it to be or where you think the market pressures are going to be taking it five years from now that we're just not quite capable of hardware-wise, software-wise. What are some of those things that are still, you know, two years, five years out that are, are going to help the adoption of and the function of these kind of infrastructure update machine vision applications? Yeah, yeah. So taking, taking on the task of AI would be a step-by-step process, right? So the first step is to relieve the major pain point. And the major pain point of today is to interpret this large amount of data. So that's what our customer asks us first. So obviously, once you have something working, you're going to look at the next thing that is not working. And so they're going to start to see, okay, what else can can I optimize and where can I cut my costs? And uh, after the data analysis, the next uh, fruit to grab is the collection of the data. Right. So today, the operator of the drone, for instance, it borrows his brain to the drone and so flies the drone and then goes to the next location and flies the drone and so forth. So with our AI, and we have snippets of this happening already today, AI is being pushed to the edge where it's able to interpret images directly on the drone. Right. So as the drone becomes more powerful, they can do AI at the edge. And so what if in the next future, you don't even need an operator? You tell the drone, go and inspect this tower. And the drone takes off and bias the collection through a brain, right? So it doesn't start to collect random images of grass and the birds and the sky, but it looks at the items of interest and then it stops and gathers the important information. There was rust. I wish that I I stopped by there and gather more information. Well, with AI at the edge, two to five years, I think that would be possible. Got it. Okay. So current process to some degree, someone's flying the drone, hopefully in the future too. And I don't think this is your business, but hopefully in the future, the drone will fly itself too. That would be nice. But in terms of the processing here, right now, someone's flying the drone and then all that information is being put wherever. And then machine vision is being used to maybe highlight areas of interest or what have you. Red, yellow, green for a rough analogy. Again, I don't think you do it that mm-hmm. way, but you, I imagine call attention to what needs it. In the future, even the recording won't be of everything, which is then assessed red, yellow, green. Maybe we're only going to be grabbing, you know, 80% of it or 90% of it is going to be yellow and and red in the first place. So we won't even have all this stuff we're having to pump through computer systems and analyze. We're just going to be grasping what those call signals are for what looks like rust, for what looks like bends, for what looks like those core issues. Yeah. And that's the at-the-edge intelligence. That's right. About. So you go to a car shop and you tell, I might have a scratch uh, on my car. The guy's going to go straight to your car and check the car, right? And then when he finds the scratch, he's going to look at the scratch with more care. So we want the same ability on, on drones, right? They want to be purposeful. Yeah. Now, just out of curiosity, we've got another minute or two here. We're talking about this machine vision in an infrastructure updating kind of context. Clearly, whether your company tackles it or not, there's a million other use cases for that kind of vision smarts at the edge. What are some other possibilities of that same kind of selective collection, maybe even outside of just updating infrastructure? So we are talking with a bunch of companies that owns large assets. So these are companies that run railroad, for instance. 
or own a larger array of solar panels or power distribution. So the use case is directly transferable in those use cases. Cool. And then there is a completely different sector where we work as a company, which is smart devices, right? And so the idea there is to push the intelligence at the edge for consumer uses. But this yeah. that's another chapter. Yep. Yeah, I imagine. That's a lot to juggle. But yes. uh, God bless you guys. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, similar idea applies where if you want to identify you know, objects, people, patterns, you can imagine a million apps where that would be fun. That would be neat. That would be useful. Mm-hmm. So you guys function there as well. But in the, the B2B space, you know, train tracks, for example, camera forward facing, yeah. we might be able to, you know, process a bunch of information, be able to say, hey, there's a lot of overgrowth in this particular area, or we're looking at, you know, some, the tresses or the beams or whatever in this particular area seem to be showing these wear signs that are subtle, but we think that they deserve more attention. Someone should go check that out because it, it called to us here. It was yeah. highlighted in yellow or whatever. That's so right. I guess it would be any asset that's big enough and at least somewhat consistent enough. I mean, if it's like if they had a million devices and they were all totally different, that's hard to transfer anything. But if it's all rails or it's poles or it's power stations of some kind where there's commonalities that we can learn from and then apply that, it sounds like all of those hypothetically could be in the grab bag. Yeah, they can be. And these are all, you know, as in the telecommunication tower case, very large structure distributed and they take a, a lot of human time either to inspect or even to think about interpreting the data. So, you know, step by step, we're going to start with a, a few sectors, but the, the use case can be transferred directly into many different scenarios. Yeah, interesting to see where this stuff makes its way. You know, a big question for us is always, where and how will technologies like this become ubiquitous? And my guess is you guys seem are focusing on probably the area that you would expect to adopt it first. Big companies, lots of consistent assets, and clearly large enough budgets to be able to handle cutting edge tech. These are probably going to be the people that adopt it. Yeah. The guess, my guess is, you know, maybe 10 years now, even midsize telco firm somewhere in Oregon or something yeah. may kind of have to use this kind of tech to get by. But initially, it'll probably be the big boys that apply machine vision. This the way. one that have money. So, the ones that have you know, the money. Yeah. Every, everybody needs to, to eat. Yep. And so <laughs> like it happens in so many other AI segments, and the, the listeners have heard a million of them, a lot of the time, the big folks with the big budgets are going to be the adopters. That's going to sort of flesh out what's possible with the tech, make it you know coherent, succinct, determine all the use cases, and then as prices sort of whittle, then other people get access and whatnot. But yep. it sounds like those are the initial And markets. they're going to pay premium to be the first. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Because if you want that advantage early on and you got, you want to take the, the iteration time that's going to go into it, then that's that's the game you got to play. So yep. cool. All right. Well, that adds a lot of color to it, Max. Thanks so much for being able awesome. to flesh it out for us. Thank you. Though. Appreciate it. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page, 
Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week. 